The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Wednesday, January 13th. That means we won. We are in the middle of the playoff run. Divisional round coming up. Just wrapped up the super wild card weekend, which is full of fantastic games and lots of slime. It also means that it's time for a Brady Quinn football show! Did Nickelodeon steal our shtick? They, how about that? The, uh, Lex, uh, I can't stop calling him Lex Luthor. He was the little sideline reporter, the kid who was like, he's like, he'd be like, yo, like, yeah, it's getting crazy down here. We got the MVP. Mitch Trubisky's leading the vote. It's like, oh my God, like, how did they let this happen? And then they're all like, they're, they're up in the booth. They're like, pew, 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 pew. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, what? Wait, yeah. What? what? Like, yeah. Were you stealing this? Yeah. Not cool. All right. So we're going to look at the college title game from a draft perspective this in this episode, and we're also going to rank the remaining postseason quarterbacks. Fun. Uh, in the feed. Jonathan Jones talking to Sean Watson in that situation, which escalated. Holy Moses. I, I'm going to ask you about that real quick, and Debo will kill me, but whatever. Um, he's on a different call for another podcast. So bleep him. Um, Andre Johnson <laughs> tweeted out on, and this is Wednesday, he tweeted out on Tuesday. Uh, he fires up a Twitter account. Says, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I will stand my ground. The Texans organization is known for wasting players' careers. Since Jack Easterby has walked into the building, nothing good has happened in for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic! Three exclamation points. Uh, reminder that Andre Johnson was actually part of the committee that the Texans brought in to help them hire a coach and GM. So that took a turn. Uh, what, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on what's going on there? Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I'll put it this way. Um, the odd thing is this whole thing started where, and I don't know if it was Kyle McNair, but the report that, you know, Deshaun Watson was told he'd be a part of the decision-making process and hiring the general manager. That's a bad idea. Yeah. You know, like, let me just put it, that's just a bad idea. So I don't know who told him that. I don't know if it was Kyle McNair, if it was Jack Eastry, however it was communicated to him or he was made to think that he would have a say in it. It's a bad idea for the general manager. Now, for the head coach, different story, right? Like he's got to work with the head coach. You've seen him every day. Like they have to be able to work together, be able to win a Super Bowl together. Different story. The reason why I say that about a general manager, and even though that general manager is going to be in charge now, Nick Casario, of supplying that roster with players is, let's say Deshaun Watson starts having a decline. And he all of a sudden was a part of hiring the guy who's in that position now. Do you think that guy's not going to potentially say, yeah, I don't want to replace Deshaun. You know, he helped me get he's here. He's my buddy. Yeah. He's, he's my buddy. Yeah. And, and here's the thing from talking to a lot of other league executives, um, especially guys who've jumped into that general manager realm. One of the things that they kind of told me is it, it's so much less scouting than it used to be. Sure. It's so much less of that. And now it's about a lot of other things that go on from a business standpoint. And so you're, you're allowing a player who has probably very, very little business experience 
to then be weighing in on a guy who's going to be helping to run a billion dollar franchise. Like that's just a bad idea. It's a bad plan. And the other thing is like Judge Snyder, for example, he's been in Seattle, what, 10 years? Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, right about 10 years. He was hired okay. in 2011. And he just signed, and he just signed to what, 2027? Yep. Okay. So he's going to be there roughly, let's say, what, 17 years, whatever the case is. You know okay. who's not going to play 17 years? Yeah, Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson probably. No, 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 at least not with the Seattle Seahawks. It almost very rarely ever happens. So, and the same case for Deshaun Watts with Houston. I don't care how successful he is, you know, just like Joe Montana, just like Tom Brady, like case in point, you know, Tom Brady, the, arguably the greatest of all time, who won six Super Bowls, went to what, nine? Is that how many he went to? That's correct. Jesus, that's so many Super Bowls. That's so amazing, Super Bowls. by the way. Like, I think I'll, the nine's almost more impressive than six, by the way, just because it's so hard to get there. But anyway. I've been to ten, I've covered 10 Super Bowls and Tom Brady has been in, I think, 60% of them. It's crazy. It's right? insane. Like, it's insane. It's every year. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. not to get off track. Yes. But think about that. Like, and he didn't even have a say in any of that stuff. And even it's he like, got kicked to the curb by a general manager. Which is good. Peyton, I mean, technically it was an injury, but it's also the same thing. It's like, it never ends well. So why would you tell a player? You want to put them as part of that group to make that decision. It's just the whole genesis of how this started is so stupid. It, it just, it boggles your mind how that's the case. So as far as everything that's happened after the fact and the hot takes here and there, it, it's hard to, you know, to really understand, you know, what Cal McNair has told certain people, what, you know, role Deshaun played or didn't play in the hiring of that process or what he was told or Jack Easterby for that matter. And so it, it's difficult to discern that, but. The one thing I'd be careful about doing is basically saying, and, and I don't know how well Deshaun Watson knows Eric Bieniemy or any other head coach for that matter, but and which, by the way, now they are interviewing Eric Bieniemy. But it's just that a window. bad look. It's like, well, the issue is this: it's like, okay, well, like how much does he really know about him? Just because he trains with Patrick Mahomes and Patrick tells him he's great, like Doug Peterson just moved on from Philly. Matt Nagy's in the hot seat in Chicago. Like that's not. The whole tree right now is not looking so hot. You know, right. it, it seems like maybe Andy Reid's the special sauce and not so much, you know, maybe the other guys. Maybe it's left, Belichick you know. 2.0. I mean, you know? Yeah. So, so I just, the whole idea that like he's even as a player is going to be make that ultimate decision, say, well, this is the guy we need to hire. Okay. Well, why does if that doesn't work out? Like, like how does that end up then work moving forward? You know, once this doesn't work out, if he comes in and he's not what you expected him to be, because you weren't with him every single day. Like, I don't know the history there between him and Eric Bieniemy or any other coach, but like, let those people hire what they feel like is the best coach, uh, for you coming into it. Well, that's Jim Caldwell. There's been a lot of rumors about or anyone, any, anyone else for that matter. Yeah. And I think too, like Nick Casario has been Bill Belichick's right hand man for 10 to 15 years, 20 years, whatever, you know, I guess ever since, uh, our, our colleague Scott Pioli, uh, moved on. I mean, Casario sort of stepped into that void. If, if, if you if you set this up, if you're Cal McNair, here's the mistake you make. You first of all, you hire Corn Ferry to do a search, then you ignore the search committee, and then you go out and hire somebody else. And like you got a good hire with Nick Casario, you lured him away from New England. That's a great hire in in a vacuum, but you have through your actions and your promises to Sean Watson potentially poisoned the relationship between your GM and your star quarterback. And you're already setting Nick Casario at a disadvantage, in my opinion, from a work perspective by allowing this to happen. So I, I pin most of this on Cal McNair for a failure to lead. I think the most interesting thing though, is, you know, like the DeAndre Hopkins trade, like probably started some of the frustration, I think for Deshaun Watson, sure. even though he got the contract extension and paid what $156 million contract. Yep. Uh, they probably had to make some room in order to do that. Cause they weren't going to extend Hopkins. And then he just had the best statistical year of his career. 
And so it's kind of like, all right, like I know DeAndre had a great year with Arizona. I get that, but I mean, it, it kind of worked out for you, man. Like, yeah. you just had a great year. <laughs> if Will Fuller didn't get suspended, he, you know, probably hasn't. Yeah, might have been even better. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, like, he, he did have a. So I don't know. I understand the discontent, but I think the how how this whole thing started with anyone telling him that he was going to play a part in all this, uh, to me, is, is is asinine. That's the mistake that Cal McNair made. You can't tell a player he can hire the GM. You can tell, and as JJ and I talked about this on Monday, it's like, look, you know what you can do? You, you figure out who you're going to hire, call Deshaun and give him a heads up and like just be like, here's well, who we're, here's what you can do. I mean, and look, this happened in Notre Dame, you know, back when Kevin White was the athletic director and we had just moved on from Duke Ty now? Willingham. Excuse me. Is he at Duke now? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, you know, so he had a leadership council committee and we had, we, we, you know, I, I kept in touch more so than anyone, but, um, you know, he made us very aware of who the candidates were. We, we talked to some of those candidates. We talked to Tom Clements. We talked to Charlie Weiss. So, you know, we were familiar with them and we'd talk about it collaboratively as a group. And, and I thought that was an interesting way of doing it, but it was also helpful to understand exactly what the criteria was and what they were looking forward to. So when that head coach got there and it happened to be Charlie Weiss, we were buying into it. Now it helped that there he was winning a Super Bowl that year with the New England Patriots calling plays for them. But, uh, the process of how Kevin White handled it to me was, um, you know, one of the better ways of doing it. Granted at the college level, but still it was an example of uh, at least, you know, being a man of your word and, and, you know, narrowing it down to a couple, you know, people and then letting them in on why these guys are the best guys suited to take over. Oh wait, Charlie was after Tyron Willingham. Man, I thought it was the other way around for some reason. So Tyron Willingham recruited you? He did. Oh. Uh, but it was actually more in the later stages. Bob Davey was who originally recruited me. And then there was that George oh. O'Leary gap. And then, uh, so were Tyler you, Willingham. you weren't at Notre Dame when the George O'Leary thing happened, right? Uh, no, 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 no. That was, uh, I was in high school. So when that happened, were you like, did you think about bailing out when the O'Leary stuff happened? Well, I wasn't committed then. You'd already been recruited early on by Bob Davey. The O'Leary like, stuff happens. You're like, look at it. Like, what, what's going on? Well, I didn't hear much from him when O'Leary, you know, stepped in. And that's I mean, O'Leary was, was like, the coach for like 30 minutes. I mean, <laughs> right. Well, it was about a month or yeah, a month or so, whatever that, it was. Right. It was, it was more of like Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Tennessee, some of those like other bigger schools that were kind of in close proximity where I was drivable for my parents. Uh, those schools was, were kind of a little more higher on me at that point. Uh, and then some of like Stanford, et cetera. But. Then at that, then it ended up being a later process where Notre Dame came to the picture once Tyron took over, but it, it took a little while to get there. That's right. Tyron took over in 2002 and then he ran into a buzzsaw in the postseason and it just happened. That's right. You know, what that, can you that do? NC State team <laughs> led by old Philip Rivers. Sorry. I don't know what that was. That's, that's sadly the high point. How many point. keg stands did you do for that bowl game? You know what? So we get down to Jacksonville. And, yeah. um, you know, in North Carolina, the, uh, the alcohol restrictions are a little tighter than they are in Florida, where it's pretty loosey goosey down there. And we walk into that stadium. Uh, I think it was Alltel Stadium at the time, maybe, uh, back in 2003. I who think cares? that's what it was called. Down, uh, who cares? Yeah. Down the landing, um, the Gator Bowl, the jet, you know, the, and, um, we walk in and I remember we, you know, we're, you know, we're pounding beers going in and we walk into that stadium and we're like, whoa, cause it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a, it's not an NCAA, sanctioned thing it's a bowl game yeah. and there's just it's like nine dollars double crown like 
Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, then it took off. Hey, from there. hey, a frat boy's dream right there, huh? Yeah. We got, we got, we got loose that night. You got uh, fratty. You we got, got we were fratty. partying down the landing with all the, uh, like all the players. Like my buddy Zeke was, uh, he's like slapping TA McClendon, who's like shoulders in a sling. He's like, heck of a season TA. And TA, he's like, get off of me, bro. Like I got a shattered, like a shattered labrum here, man. What are you doing? He's like, great job, boy. Um, anyway. Moving along to the uh, game from Monday night. It's be college, college football. It's a nice transition. The national championship game happened, and uh, Nick Saban won his sixth title uh, with Alabama. Twelve years. Six, wow. Yeah, seven titles in sixteen years as a college head coach. He has he has more titles than the rest of the current hundred and twenty nine Division one coaches who have six combined. Nick Saban has seven. It's insane. Uh, every recruiting class. That has played for Nick Saban in Alabama has won a national title. I, I mean, he's won it with. Do you, do you think it's easy to recruit when you can say that to him? It's like, if you come here, you will win a title. That's my yeah. guarantee to you. Odds are, just yeah. saying. I mean, dude, you don't have to be a math major. He's the, he's the the NFL version of New England. Yeah, that's absolutely. What, that's what he is. Yeah. Um, with with the freedom to not have to pay like pay the players. Uh, well, well, outwardly pay, pay the players. <laughs> Not enough. But he doesn't have a salary cap. <laughs> That's what I mean. Um, Devonta Smith, and you just did a draft show. People should go to YouTube and check it out on CBS Sports HQ if you didn't watch it live uh, with Ryan Wilson from uh, short leading up to this podcast where you guys broke down and did a mock draft. Um, where did Devonta Smith go, and where do you think the lowest high? What do you think his ceiling and floor is in the draft? Uh, left at half. Left sh- in the, shortly after halftime. Fourteen minutes left in the third quarter. Had 200 yards in the first half, and I mean, it just looks ridiculous. Yeah, no, he capped off a ridiculous season with his best first half uh, in his of his career. So it was special. It really was a special way to cap things off. But uh, in this mock draft, Ryan had him going number three to the Miami Dolphins, and you know, it, it's not a bad spot. It's probably the ceiling for where he'll go. I don't imagine he'll go number two uh, to the New York Jets. Remember, they took Denzel Mims last year in the draft, and I think there's probably still some questions about. You know, the quarterback position, depending on who takes the head coaching job. You know, you you have, in my opinion, next to Trevor Lawrence, the best overall prospect is Panay Sewell, tackle, uh, who opted out this year at Oregon. But he would make a lot of sense, too, where you had Beckton on one side, Sewell on the other. Uh, that would be pretty nice for Donald or whoever you would be able to even get if it was trade for agency for a veteran quarterback. So uh, I think that makes more sense there, too. And think about it. Like, you can always, if there's a quarterback, um, you know, he's falling, you always take one uh, in a later pick. But yeah. Here's the thing. I think when you watch him, you know, you're going to love the tape. Like, I'm not saying you don't need to turn on the tape and watch him, but, uh, you'll just kind of come away wowed by, you know, the, how effortlessly he runs. I'm curious to see what'll run in a 40. I think he probably runs a hundred meters faster than he does 40 yards. Yeah. Just cause he's such a long strider. But for his slim frame, man, I mean, he'll go across the middle. He'll go up and elevate to catch the football. Um, you know, he's a willing blocker on the outside too. So there's all those things you have going for you, but he's got some stiff competition. I mean, Jalen Waddle is going to run a faster 40. Uh, I think he's more of the type of guy that fits kind of that. I can get the ball to him on a screen. I can get the ball to him in short passing route or down the field. Uh, and he's going to wow you. Uh, but the one thing that Devante did this year that I think helps out his case too, is he played some special teams, you know, he played, you know, ended up being a punt returner. I uh, showed an impact there. So that should bow well, at least in comparison to a guy like Jamar Chase, who also, you know, had an amazing season two years ago, opted out this year, uh, but probably the best wide receiver for LSU. And when you say that, you're like, oh yeah, wait, Justin Jefferson and him are on the same team who just blew up this year in the NFL. 
Uh, so you, you wonder then how Jamar Chase is going to transition, but he did take a year off. I don't know how teams are going to view that, but I think, I think three is probably the ceiling. And, and look, it makes some sense, right? You got two at quarterback. He's your guy. You hook him up with Devontae Smith. They've got a good history together. Maybe that'd work out. Yeah. I would, I would think three is the ceiling. I, I mean, I, one of the things I think with Devontae Smith, as good as he, I mean, I think he's incredible. He looks awesome. Won the Heisman Trophy. Monster year. I mean, where do you think he ranks not just amongst Alabama wide receiver? Pro- like, I don't, I mean, I don't think he's a better prospect than Julio or anything. I mean, I mean, I, that's obvious to me. I, I don't know if he's better than Calvin Ridley, probably better than Jer- Jerry Judy. And I mean, is he, I mean, like you said, is he definitely a better prospect than Jalen Waddle? I mean, I don't even know. Waddle had no business being out there personally, but right. But I think he'll get some points for that too, by the way. Sure. Just the fact that when you look at, he was limping around, he got a 20 yard comeback. He was like living through the entire cut <laughs> and like still Sean Wade was like running back. Like he was going to burn past him. I know. Uh, it was like, I think he just ran a four, four and he's on a <laughs> bum leg. Like imagine when he gets to the combine, what he's going to be able to run. So I've got a list of other top five wide receivers um, that were taken. I'm trying to find where I put this. Um, but basically like when you think about a top five wide receiver, all those guys, for the most part, and going back to the years, it was like Calvin Johnson and like Julio Jones wasn't even top five. I think he was sixth the year he was taken. You know, Justin Blackman's in that category. Braylon Edwards, Charles Rogers. Um, I'm kind of dating myself now because there's been some yes, wide receivers who uh, fit the bill. Amari Cooper. Um, and you could keep kind of going through some of those picks. You know, the reality is all of those guys fit kind of that like bigger Adonis that was like a freak athlete as well. You know, it's six foot one, about 175 pounds, whatever Devontae is. Like, he doesn't fit that mold. Yeah. Where he's this supremely large, but also athletic wide receiver that's just going to be able to get open no matter what. He's going to be reliant on his route running and his speed. And that's something that, like, watching him in the game last night, he didn't play a lot. He didn't have to go up against a lot of press man to man coverage. And even when he did versus Sean Wade, he blew by him. But it's like, Sean Wade's not necessarily a great outside cornerback. He'll be a nickelback at the next level. Right. Um, and he had a bad year anyway. So I just, I wonder how he's going to transition to cornerbacks who play much better press man to man coverage for a team that's going to take him with, with at number three. He's going to be the number one guy and he's going to get everyone's best cornerback play. And there's a lot of man to man. And that's something that, you know, you don't see quite as much at college football in the SEC you do, but even Bama didn't play as much of it this year. So man, you know, what's crazy there. How is this? I don't know how this is right. Here's your list, by the way, top five wide receivers drafted, I think, in the past two decades. Calvin Johnson, Sammy Watkins, A.J. Green, Andre Johnson, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, Justin Blackman, Braylon Edwards, Charles Rogers, Peter Wark. Yep. Well, that's what I was going to say is like, so since 2000, um, since 2010, which is, I mean, that's 10 years. It's a decade. There have only been five wide receivers taken in the top five and they haven't really worked out very well. I mean, A.J. Green, yes, of course, but he, but he wasn't better than the next guy taking Julio. Justin Blackman, a massive bust. Sammy Watkins, you know, I don't, I don't think you would say that worked out for the Bills. Amari Cooper, I don't think you'd say that worked out for the Raiders. And what Corey do you Davis. Think is the average height and weight for all those guys? Or these guys are all big alpha wide receivers, with the exception of maybe Sammy Watkins, who's a little bit smaller, but, but a total burner. But he's still what, he's, six two? Yeah, exactly. And that's he's the thing. He's probably with a little, the, tell a little thicker. Like, I mean, I, Peter Wark was small, but. Um, I think Peter Worker small. Amari Cooper is probably a little thicker, probably about the same height, maybe a little taller. But that's the thing is like the wide receivers you're talking about are all like six three plus. Um, and that's that's the hard thing is when you're taking a wide receiver at that spot, 
you know, the DBs that you're going up against a lot of times are faster than the, than, than the wide receivers. And so you've got to have the b- bigger catch rate is the body to be able to you know, make those contested catches or make those 50, 50 balls. And how important, I mean, Sark's getting this guy, Sark, what a game he called him on Monday night. What is, what a season he's had. I mean, like the motion they're using, the way they're getting Devontae Smith out, like, I mean, match, I mean, the, the touchdown run he had where he's like, I mean, you feel bad for the, uh, what's it? The, Tough Borland. Yeah. yeah rough. I mean, oh. and, and that's part of the thing with, with, when you looked at like Sarkeesian versus the Ohio State coaching staff, at least the defensive staff, they just never made an adjustment. Never. I mean, at some point you're kind of, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you go to like more nickel dime, you know, and you put in the smaller personnel in they're there, they're going to pound it on you. They're going to pound away with Najee Harris. And then if you try to do that, you know, you're susceptible to them matching up Devontae Smith on tough Borland. So you've got to figure out a better way though, from a coverage standpoint, just playing more man to man if you can, uh, and, and maybe getting him off the field, which they didn't elect to do. But and that's what you point out. Like it was really more of a matter of schematically. You know, finding in the zone coverage that weakness of that linebacker to match him up against or in man to man. I mean, again, even when, you know, they, they tried to put him on seven banks as much as possible. Like go back and watch the little sprint right. Uh, we used to call it sprint right option, but in this case, he just ran a flat route. Yeah. Where they motioned him one way across the formation. Yep. He acted like he was going to come back and return. And then they back stopped and rotated him back and, out. And it's, well, and then and seven banks just like got lost because he's so worried about his speed. You know, he's just reacting to it all. And, and that ends up being like five yards behind him. It's easy touchdown. Like, that's the kind of creativity that as much as that was great in this moment, you won't see that at the NFL as much. Like you know, Andy Reid does that at the NFL and that's, and, and even that it requires an insane amount of personnel and Andy Reid's crazy brain to make it work well, like that. But you're, you're going to get a cornerback that just like waves to seven banks to stay on that side. Like I, I got him. If he comes this side, I got him. Right. You know, you know, they'll, they'll be able to pick up on things like that and make adjustments out there in the field or be ready for that sort of play. But that's sort of my point too is like, if you take Devontae Smith at three, I mean, he needs to be. I mean, a, a game-changing wide receiver, and I don't know, even with his speed and his skill set, if he is that guy oh. at the at necessarily the 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 NFL level. But we'll see. Um, yeah. somebody's gonna draft him high. You you perform like that, and you're getting you're getting picked very high. Uh, Mac Joe. Oh, sorry, we'll speed through the rest of these guys. I forgot. I was like, what? What did we? What do we talk about? How do we talk about Devontae Smith for 25 minutes? I'm like, oh no, never mind. Did a tangent on whatever we were talking about. Uh, Mac Jones. Is he a future? I was having, I was getting texts from people who were like, what's your stand on Mac Jones? Like, where is he going to go? How's he going to be? Same deal with Devontae Smith. I have trouble projecting Mac Jones as great as he's looked to being a high caliber starting quarterback. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's surrounded by so, so much talent. Yeah. He throws to the Heisman Trophy winner. He's handing off to the Doak Walker Award winner. You could have made a case maybe Waddle wins the Blitnikoff or Heisman if, if Smith was. And he's got the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line. Like, it's a lot of things that work for you. Now, Burrow had the same, yep. right? Uh, so not necessarily, I mean, he was the Heisman Trophy winner, so I didn't have that, but I think you get what I'm going with this. So, you know, it, it's not to say that he can't go into a situation and help elevate that team. I think the difference is there's not as quite as much athleticism. When, when you saw Joe Burrow, uh, he's a little bigger. He's definitely, a, you know, more faster, better athlete. But look, Mac Jones is really accurate with the football. I think one of the best throws that he made last night, and I think it was on their first drive for a touchdown where they, they, you know, they had a bunch formation, including the running back who was, you know, plus or, or strong. And they had a slot set on the other side. He literally worked all the way back to Bolden where he threw a dart right yeah. at the front pylon. And 
when you watch that play, you don't see many college quarterbacks that are not able to do that because they don't work with their feet through the progressions. He does that. Like he's not going to have a problem transitioning into an NFL system whatsoever. He's smart. He's accurate. He has enough arm to make all the throws. Part of the problem with him too, it's forget about who he's throwing to and everything around him because he can't control that. Right. Yeah. It's going to be that he, he's going into a league that you've got to be able to have the ability to run the football to, to hurt the opponent. And, you know, there's, there's a few circumstances where it's not the case right now in the playoffs. If you look at it, like Tom Brady's not that guy. When's, it, when's the last young quarterback that we saw coming to this league that can't run? Yeah. No, I, I mean, Josh Rosen and it, and it hasn't worked. Well, out I mean, well I'm him. saying last young successful quarterback who's coming who can't yeah. run. I mean, and, and look, and Baker's not the, the, you know, the best of running, but he can. I mean, yeah. he can, you know, scramble, make some plays. I think Matt can too, by the way. Like the more tape I was breaking down of him, the more you see him move within the pocket, the more you see him kind of, you know, scramble out, and make something happen. He's smart with the football. So he's a little uh, lurchy coming out. He, like he's like, maybe that's just him hesitating to take all. Like maybe that's part of the offense, but you see him. He's like, he like has this like well, weird. No, like, I, I just think he's maximized his talent ability, right? I mean, we, we, you see him after the game when he looks like with a shirt off. I mean, that's not a guy that you look at and say he's got a lot of explosion to him. You know, it's <laughs> no, like, yeah. he, he is what he is, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I think there's going to be some teams who are in love with his intangibles and what he brings to the table. And there might be some teams who are like, yeah, I don't, I don't see that being the case. You know, maybe they see him in the second, third round being more of a, a guy to bring in. Uh, as, as maybe a backup or a guy that could eventually work his way into that role. So do you think he, if the draft is held today, is he a first round pick? I think he's anywhere from like late first round to like third round. Yeah. And that's again, it's more to do with like how someone else can evaluate him. If you're looking at a guy who's like NFL ready, I think he's next up to Trevor Lawrence. If you're looking for a guy who has a ceiling, um, you know, day, day one. Yeah. His, his floor. Is probably higher than a lot of them, but his ceiling is is already probably where it's going to be. Like he's you know? probably going to have better stats and success than Justin Fields next year if they're both thrown in the same situation. But you're taking Fields ten times out of ten because right, like Fields could look like Josh Allen in three years if he's got stability and, and the pieces around him. Right, like yeah. that's what that's the difference between the two. Someone who takes Fields sees the Clemson game, but then they go back and watch the Northwestern or Indiana game and or the, so Al- or the Alabama a, a wider game. variation. Right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't, I thought that Monday night was sort of what he is for me is, which is like, I don't think the Clemson game is what he is. I mean, that now that's his ceiling and that's great. He was awesome, but I didn't think Venables did a particularly good job. Like Bama had a bunch of delayed blitzes and they were sending a lot of different pressures from places that really threw him off. And that's sort of been his bugaboo. But now when he's, when he's on, I mean, he's got, I mean, he has, he can do it all. There's no question about it. I just sort of worry that if you use the number two pick on him, you're New York. And you kick Sam Darnold to the curb and then you're just in on Justin Fields from the get go. Like you're asking him to do the same thing that Sam Darnold couldn't, which is raise up this dysfunctional franchise with not a ton around him. And I don't know that he's ready to do that. No, I, I would make the case that I think Sam Darnold was probably more prepared yeah. for the NFL as far as his skill set coming out than, than where Justin is. But again, I mean, they're probably equal. Justin might have a little stronger arm. Justin's definitely faster. Yeah. Um, I don't know these, you know, they're both big guys, but yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold with a better, 75 yard rushing touchdown this year though. I was just going to say Sam's a much better athlete. People give him credit. So yes. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the only problem with Sam is you got to make the decision on his fifth year option with this year's class. Now it becomes fully guaranteed, not just injury only guaranteed, which is a huge decision, even though it's, you know, still not as much as like not picking it up. 
and then have the, have the franchise tag again. Right. Uh, anybody else from the game that you would want to point out from a draft? Yeah. Look, look, Pat Sertan will be a top 10 pick in my opinion. He, okay. he's, he's the best cornerback in this draft class. He's got the size length. He's going to have the speed. We'll see that when he tests. Obviously the lineage, his dad played, uh, you know, big time talent there. So he, he's got a high football IQ. You can see that in his play. His technique is flawless. I love this kid. I think he's going to be a really, really good player at the NFL level. And what they ask him to do, he's going to do at the next level. So uh, he's another player you got to talk about. Uh, we mentioned Waddle. Christian Barmore, um, who may be the one of the better interior defensive tackles in this draft, he might go higher than people think, but he had an amazing uh, college football playoff semifinal and national championship game. I mean, he had 11 tackles, two sacks. And you saw for like six foot five, 310 plus pounds, like the quickness and, and just the, his, his agility for like, how big he is. You don't see guys who are like that tall, that big move the way they do. Um, I think he helped himself out big time, big, big time. Um, Alex Leatherwood's a guy that I think there might be some different opinions, but at the left tackle spot, like he might go higher than some people think. Um, and so th- those are some other guys I think you got to throw in there, uh, to mention, but it, it's, you know, you could, you could see potentially five, maybe six, uh, players from Bama go in the first round. Factory, a machine. Why would you go anywhere else? Uh, all right, coming up after the break, Brady and I will rank the remaining quarterbacks in the playoff. Will the olds rise to the top, or is there a new generation of quarterbacks that we will love more? Coming up next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so uh, there are eight teams left in the playoffs. Yep. I, what, did, what did you do? You like the six games, by the way? Um, what this past weekend? Yeah, I loved it. I, the I expanded, the expanded that, playoffs because I think it's easy to be like, oh, why are they expanding it? But and I was like that. Then I'm like, oh, six games is pretty nice. It's really nice. In fact, it's it's almost perfect to the sense that like you have that like you know early mid late, which is perfect for each Saturday Sunday. My concern is when they go to eight, how are they going to do it? Like, are you going to steal games on a Friday night? Then it's a short week. To are they definitely going like, to go to eight? Well, no, I'm just saying at some point they're going to expand to eight in each side. Like Maybe. that's, that's how you, you get from, from to eight. You got to go from six to seven. 
and then for seven to eight. That's how they usually do it. I don't know if you knew that. So it's the sneaky way but, that the owners figure that out. Right, right, right. Of course. That's why they're like, you know, we're going to, we're going to stick with the 17 game regular season for now, but yeah. we're going to eliminate the preseason. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you, yeah, I, I get it. Like, but, but hey, it's the, it's the same amount of games. We just got rid of those preseason games. You know, I'm, just, I'm listening. I think of Jared, Jarrah, Jared Jones, just like, Persuading everyone, and they're he's like, just, hey, well, he's just like, he's a giant cash register. He's like, game eight, eight, nine, ten, lottery machine, win the money. Seventeen, yeah. eighteen. It's like watching some of the pull up contests. We don't have enough money yet. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think that they'll stick with seven for a little while, though. I think. I hope good. so. I mean, it's perfect. Like that's, and that's the problem. If you go to eight, do you give first and second round a buy again, like you did with six, or do you make them all play? Uh, which, which will be an interesting decision, but yeah. uh, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great weekend of football. Um, you know, watch some of the games, but I can, all right, let's rank these teams. All right. Let's rank them. Cause yeah, we ran longer the first part of the, the thing, but you know what we can do? We can, uh, we can get rid of any concerns or surrounding the number one quarterback remaining in the playoffs. Cause we both are you, let's do one through eight instead of eight through one. Cause I think there's okay. no, there's no like shock. Fa- there's no, there's no, there, like, we're both taking Mahomes at one. You're not. I mean, are we based on what are we based on this year? Based on the ability to lead the team to title this year. I'm saying Aaron Rodgers. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm saying Aaron Rodgers. He's had a better year. He's the MVP. If we're basing on like the here and now. Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. I don't. It's not debatable. Like, I, I'm, I'm no, no. Aaron it's Rogers. over. It's over. Aaron Rodgers, first team All Pro. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers in the betting markets. I mean, you know. And our pal Pete Prisca, I'm fan for Rodgers. Rodgers had a great year. I'm saying, I'm saying Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes was number two. Okay. Probably isn't a big surprise, but no, I got, I got Mahomes one and Rodgers two. Okay. One A, one B. And I think three is easy. I think it gets interesting after three because three is going to be Josh Allen. Yes. I have Josh Allen third too. Now I will say this, that with Rodgers and Allen, just very quickly, um, with, with, uh, with, with, with with Rodgers, the only concern I would have is like this Rams defense could give the Packers some problems. Yeah, of course. But again, like you're not giving me the context of how we're picking this. If you're just saying, give me one guy this year, the way they played to win you a Super Bowl, I'm just this is to, how I'm going to categorize. I'm, I'm not taking to, in who they're playing. I'm trying I'm to weave in, in anything else. I'm trying to weave in your thoughts on whether the Rams can actually give the Packers a game on Sunday. Well, yeah, think about it. Jalen Rams is going to match up with Devontae Adams. Yep. Then you've got an offensive line that, yes, they got Jared Valdir at left tackle now, which is crazy interesting how that worked out, by the way, um, due, to, due to the COVID rules and how you can basically take a player off the practice squad now or elevate him and bring him back down. Anyway, he's he's um, like he's like on he's just bounce leaves and he's back on another team. It's it's crazy. Good for him. He gets the playoff um, share, right? What's that? He gets the playoff share too, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah good for him. It's a yeah. Double double dip, triple dip, <laughs> double dip, baby. Get the scoops, um, the scoops everywhere, man. So you got Donald, you've got Leonard Floyd, who's going to be an issue off the edge. He's had a, he's had a good year too. It's elevated that. So yeah, there's, there's no doubt the defense could present them some issues. It comes down to whether or not the Packers can run the football. And then if, who's going to step up outside of Devontae Adams? Cause I do think that's a tough matchup. Although like the one thing, by the way, about Devontae Adams that I love, and I don't know that people talk about enough. He is the best off the line of scrimmage. And I would tell every person listening right now, if you have a kid who plays wide receiver, your son, whatever the case is, even your daughter, whatever, go watch his tape on how little time he spends dancing at the line of scrimmage. Like, thank God for Devontae Adams putting on a clinic every single game and how fast he gets off the line, even on press man-to-man, and he's dancing, wasting time trying to juke out the cornerback. 
he just gets upfield and he threatens them vertically. That is how you have to do it as a wide receiver. It's it's why he's so successful successful in my opinion. Yeah, and he gets he gets open really quickly underneath too. It's crazy. Uh, it's because so- of that though. He doesn't waste time dancing at the line. It's the worst thing that you see. And you go on social media, you see all these jerkos doing these different fast you know foot ladder drills and all this stuff, just running their feet in place. You're like. If I'm a cornerback, I'm not threatened, dude. I'm going to put my hands on you. I'm going to stand there because you've never actually threatened to beat me deep for a touchdown. So it's, it's like the, you know, I see in the movies where the guy's like, like dancing around and then somebody just decks him. And it's like, oh, yeah. 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 That's essentially what Devontae Adams does every time he releases on the off the football. Um, all right. So we agree. Allen is three. I mean, the only he's played so well. I think he's third in the MVP ratings. The only concern I would have is that we haven't seen a Josh Allen, uh, like, I don't know if there's one lurking, a Josh Allen meltdown game. I mean, he had like a moment. It, it was, he was trying. Game. It was like, it's like the incredible Hulk thing where it's like the guy, he's like trying to burst out of his chest and just be like, Allen smash. <laughs> like he wanted to fumble that. I mean, he did fumble it and they got it back, but he wanted to give that game away to the Colts in the fourth quarter pretty badly. And that's coming from a Philip Rivers fan. Let's move on. All right. Number four, I think is where it gets really interesting. You don't right? think it's lurking? I think it's lurking. I don't think it's lurking. Okay. Um, it's only lurking because they don't ever want to run the football. They just want to put it on his shoulders. So if you, if you have to throw the football that much or run around the football that much, eventually bad things. Also COVID burn. They signed Devontae Freeman. Anyway. Um, all right. Number four. I think this is the hardest decision to make because there's part of me that wants to say Tom Brady, but I actually feel like Lamar is tougher to prepare for, even though he hasn't had as good of a year. So I'm going to go with Tom Brady in this spot. Um, So I guess I've just given you my next two. Well, Lamar is four for me. Okay. And the I'm reason gonna say Tom, I would say Lamar after five. I think Lamar, I, I think there's going to be something, I think it'd be interesting to see between both Josh Allen and Lamar. Cause I, there was a sneak, like if Josh Allen lost to the Colts, there was going to be a narrative, you know, oh and two in the playoffs. I mean, like the same crap that happened with Lamar and I, I don't buy into it, but it, it builds up. Um, and I think with Lamar, I'm curious to see if he might play a little more free in the passing game now. Like feel a little like if it unlocks maybe you know we talked we talked about the confidence thing with Carson Wentz whether the you know it's like all right I want a playoff game and now he can sort of let it fly a little bit in the passing game. I, I don't know if it'll happen. Um, I think the double preparation thing though it's you got to prepare for his legs. You saw how he flipped he flipped the game with his legs against the Titans completely. Well, flipped th- it. Th- that's why I I'd put him at five. And that's why I, I thought about putting him at four is the way he impacts a game with his legs. He's so dynamic as a runner. Sure. And it really opens up the rest of the rushing attack and, and, and helps them, you know, as far as what they do in the passing game. But, you know, still, if they get down, um, you know, versus Buffalo and he's got to win in a drop-back passing game, like, you don't have much faith in being able to do that. Now, you know, with Tom Brady, you know, so you're kind of basically saying that, like, Lamar, even though he's a dual-threat quarterback, he's more one-dimensional in the side of running than he is as far as changing the game than he is throwing. You know, obviously Tom Brady is a drop back, you know, an older guy who's, who's got to rely on what's around him. But I still, you know, think when you look at him in comparison to the rest that we're talking about right now, he still gives you a, a good chance with the experience. By the way, his arm velocity compared to and the way he's throwing the football compared to Breeze, it's night and day. Tom um, Brady's throwing a better deep ball than he was at like 23. It's crazy. It really is. He's throwing a better deep ball. His deep ball, I don't think is like noticeably worse than it. I mean, maybe 2007. I mean, when he was just throwing bombs to boss, but like he, his deep ball is fine as long as he has a clean pocket. I, I could care less about the deep ball. Like that's one of the more overrated things to me because okay. like most offensive lines can't protect long enough to really heave one. 
it's the way he throws like 20 yard ropes. Sure. Like right now, when you watch that ball come off his hand, yeah, I mean, look at Chris Godwin. He had a hard time catching it. I think there's so much mustard on it. So like to me, that's, and that's impressive because it's way more in Rivers. It's more than Ben. It's way more in Drew. Way the guy's more than the all, of all of them. Yeah. It's more than, and, and it's, he's older than all of them. Yeah. So uh, I've got him a four. I'll put Lamar at five. I do think that's like a close debate just because of how each of those guys I, I think can, can impact the game. I, I agree with you. And look, I would I honestly say that if you took this, maybe this is a hot take. I don't know. If you took, if you took Bruce Arians off of Tampa Bay and gave Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels, I might even slide Brady up to three with the personnel they have because I would, the thing I don't trust is that Bruce Arians is going to let Tom Brady, he, I, like, I don't trust him to cater to Tom Brady's strengths against the Saints. And I'm worried I'm that with, with the pressure they get on him and Brady starts throwing up these little ducks and he's frustrated with his line. And it's cause you could, chew well, up. what you're saying is Bruce Arians doesn't want to provide any balance whatsoever. Like None. you go back to last week's game. They actually could run the football decent early on. They just, they never stick with it. They never stay with it. And it, and, and they just get in this like pass happy mode. And you're watching Chris Godwin drop dimes. I'm going, I mean, at what point is Bruce Arians going to realize, like, look at all the teams right now in the playoffs. Like they've demonstrated the ability to be able to run the football and play defense. And those things are kind of correlated together, you know, shortening the game, those sorts of things. Take, like, get a lead could, and finish them off. Like stop yeah. messing around with this passing game. So, th- so that's the frustration is like, you know, how Bruce Arians actually can end up being, you know, how this team gets bounced out. But it, that, I'm serious. Like that's why Brady's lower for me than, than anybody else. Cause I don't trust Bruce Arians to do the right thing offensively. When, and I think that can come back to bite him as early as this weekend. Um, Solid. Yeah, I got the Saints winning. How about you? I have the Saints too. I just I think that's more about the complete team though. And look, we've sure. already seen it twice this year, and it wasn't like it was close or they split. The Saints blew them out. It kind of reminds me of Green Bay and San Francisco last year. Like maybe it's just a bad matchup of personnel where you could scheme around certain things, but you can't scheme around everything. Yeah. And it's just it's it's not a good matchup for the Bucks. Yeah. Like and this, you know, when we look at this list, it's not that we think Brady is worse. We don't if you put Brady on the Saints, like they might be the, he might be the number one guy on this list. And that's, but Drew Brees, I have Drew Brees at six. I assume you do too. I do. Um, and, and, and look, it's not a slight on Baker Mayfield. It's just, I, I still give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, even though Baker Mayfield's younger, has a stronger arm, he's more mobile. It's a pretty, pretty good list I, of quarterbacks. I mean, for seven here, you're yeah. not, you're not some jabroni. No. Um, but like, I just still have my reservations if they don't have the ability to run the football. And let's be honest about, their wild card game, uh, that was gifted to them. I mean, Pittsburgh giving them short fields, giving them a touch, spotting them a touchdown to start the game. I mean, it's, it's hard to mess up being up 28 to what? Nothing? 27? I it's feel the most was, so. points ever scored by a team in NFL history in the first quarter of the playoffs. It's ever. crazy. Yeah. And, and, and the Browns. literally it was, it was the product of what? Three interceptions, like two of which were completely Ben's fault. Well, the, he had the, snap the, game, over, but. The, the snap over the head was the, the first touchdown. Correct. Then Ben threw a pick that set them up on Pittsburgh side of the field, like the 40, 45. Yep. And then the, then they scored another regular, regular touchdown. Uh, then Ben threw another pick in the end, like near the end zone that was a f- 15 yards away and they run it right in. It's just 28 nothing. I mean, that's right. That's, that's hard to screw up. Right. And, and that's where like you want to see what he's going to be able to do this time around versus the best team or the top seed in the AFC. So, uh, and he, he's, he's had a good year. I mean, bottom line is he, he stepped up, and made the throws when he needed to. It's just, this is a, this is a different circumstance now. Yeah. And look, you know, it's crazy because, and obviously John Walford slash Jared Goff is our last guy. I said, right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Um, the thing about Baker is, and I give him credit for this because this was a, people were writing him off after his second year, even after he was like the future in his first year. 
It was dumb. It's, it's just knee-jerk reaction stuff. But he played really well in this season. And we also saw in that playoff game, the Steelers were trying to make a move. And they had him, and Baker had one play that was almost a pick six, but other than that, he stepped up and made some big throws when the steel, when Mike Tomlin punted, Baker stepped up and made some big throws in a big spot. And that's, that's, you, I mean, that's what you want out of your, you know, your first year, first time starting quarterback in the playoffs. Yeah. No, I, like I said, he stepped up, not I mean in that instance, but even, you know, the, the position they were in leading into the playoffs. I mean, they, they had to win a series of games because the AFC was so competitive. Yeah. Um, okay. Man, we ripped through those pretty quickly, huh? All right. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's the show. That's how we rank the quarterbacks. Left. That's the good talk on the uh, national championship game. Yeah. So only a couple of games of football left. Should be a fun divisional round, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, Brady. Sounds good, brother. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.